Amen. So today I'm going to talk to you about the God of all comfort. When I, when I started looking at that, God started asking me questions. I'm like, Lord, you're supposed to give me answers, not questions, right? He says, what does that mean, the God of all comfort? What does it look like in my life? What does it look like in your life? And he said, when you're in need of comfort, what are you expecting? Typically, we're looking for the pain to stop, right? Whatever it is to go away, that's our motive. We want to escape the pain. We want to avoid the pain. We don't want to deal with the pain, right? We want it just to go away. But is that what God sees in our pain? What do you think he sees? What do you think his definition of comfort really is? What is his purpose in sending the comforter? What's his goal? I mean, in Romans, Paul says that to rejoice in suffering. And James says to count it all joy. I don't know about you, but last time I was going through a hard time, I wasn't thinking, this is the best time of my life. But that's what Paul and, and James are both saying. What did they know that we don't know? In Matthew 5, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. What do they know? What was Jesus trying to say in that? Blessed are those who mourn, because they'll be comforted. What was his plan? What was his focus? And do our needs and our desires align with what his desire is for the moment? Do you give God access or do you fill it, fill that place, fill that need with a temporary fix, a counterfeit of true comfort? These are tough questions, aren't they? <laughs> I said, Jesus, help. What's his plan? What, is he, what, is he, what does he see that I don't see? And so he, he first wanted me to share with you why. Why does God comfort us? So if you could turn to 2 Corinthians 1, let's look at why. All right, it says this in the um, New Living Translation. It says this, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Uh, in, in the New King James Version, it says God of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we may comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more he will shower us with his comfort and salvation. For when, our, our, when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort others. Then you can patiently endure the things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. The New Passion Translation calls him the God of endless comfort. I like the sound of that. It's never ending. So if you look at verse four, it says he looks to comfort us in a way that we are then able to share that comfort with someone else, okay? So if I'm still broken or angry, or if I'm still hurting, what am I gonna share with others? 
Is it going to be comfort? Probably not, right? So his comfort must be designed in a way that allows us to completely be healed, experiencing peace and hope, fully relying on God to be able to share comfort with others, right? His comfort must work in a way that brings us back to a place of wholeness so that we can share that with someone else. I can't give you what I don't have. I can't explain to you something I don't understand. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are hurting and broken because they haven't allowed God in that place. And I feel like, I'm gonna cry. I feel like today God wants to change that. That's my prayer. So God's purpose is to comfort us in a way that we're whole, that we're whole. I want to be whole. You know, Paul is sharing these things when he had been beaten multiple times. He'd been stoned. They thought to death. They thought they killed him. He was in prison for long periods of time. Yet he could say God is the God of all comfort. How could God possibly comfort us in a way that makes us stronger in our faith and more resilient in who he is when we go through hard things? There's something so powerful about God's comfort that Paul welcomes, welcomes the trials so he can receive the comfort and so he can pour it out for us, for you, for me. He says, rejoice, because he knows something supernatural is gonna happen to you when you allow God to enter that difficult situation in that pain. That's gonna change you forever and it's gonna restore you back to a place you were supposed to be in the first place. Whole, happy, strong, right? Under the new covenant, Jesus talks about sending us a comforter. This comforter is the one that Paul is experiencing, right? He talks about him quite a bit before he leaves. So let's, let's talk about what this comforter is that can do all of this. What does Jesus say, right? Whenever we're in a bad situation, find out what Jesus says, right? That's the truth. So turn with me to John 14. We're gonna go through three main sections of scripture today. We went through 1 Corinthians. We're gonna go back to that, or 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, sorry. And now we're gonna go through John for a little bit and then we're gonna go to Revelation. We're gonna go back to 2 Corinthians and then to Revelation. So stay with me, but I want you to see the words, okay? It's one thing for me to tell you the words, but it's something totally different for you to see them. And then when you go home, read them out loud. Let them penetrate you. Let them become real to you. Don't let them become something that Pastor Vicky said, Right? Pastor Vicki doesn't give life. Jesus gives life. The word of God breathes life. So it says this in verse 15. So chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. Isn't it interesting? He introduces the Holy Spirit this way. Think that's important? 
And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will, leave, who will never leave you. Um, in the New King James, it says abide with you forever. And so I looked up abide with you and it means never leave you. He's never going anywhere. He's going to stay with you. Even when we mess up, even when we're going through hard stuff, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The New King James calls him the spirit of truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you now and later lives with you now and will be in you later. Remember, this is before the day of Pentecost, before they're filled with him. He's telling them, he's prophesying over them. He's around now, but he's gonna be in you. He's never gonna leave and he's gonna be in you. Pretty good so far, right? So I, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I'm in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Go down a little bit. It says, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Listen, come on. He goes on to say, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the father who sent me. But when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything, everything. There's not a situation or a problem or a circumstance that he doesn't already have the answer to. Everything. And he will remind you of everything I told you. I'm leaving you with a gift. Remember, a gift is free. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to clean ourselves up first. It's a gift. Peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So let's, like, another version calls him the helper. See, there's, there's lots of different words that is described the same person that is the Holy Spirit. Advocate, helper, comforter. The Prashian translation says divine encourager. It says in in John 16, he says that he's going to come to convict the world of sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. It says that the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak on his own account. He's going to speak the words of the Father to you. So I started looking at what... What does, the, what does the word comforter mean, like in the original language? Like, I want to know exactly what he was talking about, right? So the, there's three words, actually, that represent the comforter. There's three different versions of, the, of basically the same word. And we're going to talk about each one because they each have just a little different grasp of who he is. The first one is parakaleo. And it says, it's an, it's an action of God 
towards us. So it's, it's, it's a calling to our side. It's, it's coming close to us. It's speaking to us. How many, do you, how many of you need to hear the voice of God when you're going through a hard time? You want to know what he's saying. He says, I'm speaking to you. He's here to admonish you or exhort you. He's here to, and that means to encourage, embolden, give strength, advise, caution, to warn. Listen, sometimes the words he says, he's saying to us are saying you're going the wrong way. I don't want you going that way. That's, that's gonna hurt you more. That's gonna harm you more. And so he's like, I'm gonna show you a different path. He consoles us. These are all words that are listed in the strong to describe this one word. And this is just the first of three. Console, encourage, strengthen, to comfort you, to instruct you, to teach you. How many of you need to be taught? I do. So paraclesis is the, is the, is the one that's found in 2 Corinthians 1.3. And it's, a, it's the same thing, a calling near, but this is a thing, something that I can actually be full of. Do you realize you can be full of comfort? You can be full of the Holy Spirit. You can, you can be so completely whole with him that you have that to pour out onto others. Same thing he wants He's, it's an interceder. He intercedes for you. He makes an earnest petition or request. He's a comforter. He refreshes you. He's the consoler. He's, he, he uses persuasive discord to, to instruct you, to, to, oh, to get you to understand to address you, to fulfill the commandments. Listen, he's trying to get you on the path that leads you to life, right? There's two paths that we can take. And sometimes the pain and hurt we're going through is because we're on the wrong path. Our life is full of the wrong things. I mentioned it before, counterfeits. We're so full of counterfeits, there's no room for the Holy Spirit. And he's like, listen, get rid of all that and let me be there. That's what he wants to be. He wants to be your motivation and your support. Paracletos is the person. John 14, 16, it's talking about this. He's the one called to aid. He's called to your side. He's an advocate. He's your defense lawyer. Sometimes we need a defender, right? Sometimes we don't need someone to hold our hand and say it's gonna be all right. We need someone fighting for us. He's that, but only when we let him. Pastor Kurt preached a sermon uh, a while back about him being our justice, right? We used the gavel and we talked about his justice or our own. Sometimes we take it in our own hands and then we wonder why it's not working. Guess what? He's our intercessor. He's the partner of our sins. He's our helper. This next word, I'm gonna mispronounce it, but I'm gonna say it anyway because I had to like seriously look for the definition of this word. It's not one we use anymore. So 18, the, I think it was in the Webster 1838 version, but it's really cool, so I'm gonna share it with you. He's the succour, someone who gives help in time of need, the person or the thing that brings relief. I need relief sometimes. 
He's, he's the one that furnishes or administers a remedy. I love that. Supplies with anything we need. It says, in the strong version, it gives this recap and it says of the Holy Spirit destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after his ascension to lead them into deeper knowledge of the gospel truth and give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecution on the behalf of the kingdom. Remember, God's goal is always eternal. He's always seeing the eternal aspect of this. So what does God's comfort mean to me? He's close to me. He never leaves me. He never abandons me. He's talking to me. He's encouraging me. He's consoling me. He's defending me. He's supplying me with everything I need. He's teaching me. He's strengthening me. He's rescuing me. He's directing and warning me. He's he's pointing out that, hey, if you make this choice, you're not gonna like the outcome, right? He's reminding you of the commandments from our Father and helping you complete them. Not just that, the prophetic words have been spoken over your life, the direction that he's given you. He's reminding you. He's giving you the ability to walk them out. He's rescuing you. He's directing you. He's convicting you of your sins. That's part of his job. He doesn't care if you feel better in the moment, but you go to hell because your sins are never forgiven. Let's get real for a minute. Sometimes we want God to fix it, but we're causing it and we're refusing to surrender and and be obedient. He doesn't want that in your life. Sin leads to death, period. So he's convicting of us of our sins and calling us back to a right relationship with God. He's not doing it to beat us up. He's bringing us back to where we belong. He restores us to the original design God had in mind when he created us. Do you realize that? He he pictured you in your head long before you were ever born. He created you, he hand. It says he knit you together. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring that back. Remember, he's not looking at now. We're looking for a quick escape. He's looking for the person you're gonna become after you get through this refining fire. He's looking at the people that you're gonna impact when he heals you and comforts you and fills you up. Right? I love this analogy. He's not interested in putting a Band-Aid on an injury that needs surgery. Right? He's not just interested in stopping the bleeding. He's interested in stopping the cause of the bleeding, right? He's not gonna tell you what you wanna hear. He doesn't wanna fix you for a moment. He he wants to fix you for eternity. He wants to give you the freedom and the fullness of who you're called to be on earth. He wants to see you walk in authority and a power that he he has for you now. Now, in James 1, he goes on to promise to make us whole and complete, needing nothing, and will give us all the wisdom we need. All. When I'm whole and complete, I'm not broken. I'm not hurting. I don't believe Paul was in there crying one minute and then speaking this truth the next minute. He was full of this. He was sharing what God had done inside of him already. 
If you go back to 2 Corinthians and you start in verse eight, he says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. He thought they were gonna die based on what they were going through. And he said, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped Listen to this very carefully. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. So they were faced with a horrible situation that they thought they were gonna die in. They cried out to the king of kings. They cried out to the comforter. He came in, he rescued them. And he increased their faith in the process. He comforted their physical needs, but he built up their spirit man. So now, no matter what they face, they say, God, you did it last time. You're going to do it again. So if God is the God of comfort and he has that kind of ability and that kind of impact for you, why aren't we accessing it? So these might hurt a little bit. Some of them hurt me a little bit, but we're gonna go for it, okay? Sometimes we're more interested in the immediate relief than we are the solution. We don't wanna put in the work. We'd rather utilize counterfeits in our life. What are some counterfeits in our life? Alcohol, drugs, relationship. It's that person that you run to instead of God. It's the person you call when trouble happens. Because they say, oh, I, they shouldn't treat you that way. Oh, this is horrible, right? It makes you feel better for that moment. Shopping, some of us have a retail therapy problem. <laughs> Marina said she had an ink therapy problem, <laughs> right? We look for the easier route. We focus on ourselves. We focus on feeling better here, whatever it takes, Okay. The second one is we don't want to face correction. We know what he's going to say and we don't want to hear it. We don't want to change. It's more comfortable to be in our mess than for him to get us out of it. So fear and insecurity cause us to have a victim complex. Everything always happens to me. No matter what I do, it always happens to me. The third one is we just, we, we lack the intimacy. We lack the knowledge of who God is and we can't trust him. In 40, Psalm 46, 10, it says, be still and know that I'm God. That's one of my verses. If you've been in my office, it's on my wall. And a few months ago, I did the same thing. I did a word study on be still and know that I'm God. Be still means basically relax, chill out. But and know, I thought it was just like, yeah, no. It's a deep, intimate understanding of God, of who he is. How do I get a deep, intimate relationship with someone? You spend time with them. You read, you listen to what they have to say. So if I wanna have peace, I have to know the peacemaker. If I want to be comforted, I have to spend time with the comforter. If I want the word to do its work on me, I have to know the word. 
If I want to know what God has for my life, I have to know the God who has it. If I wanna know what my identity is in him, I have to spend time with him so he has a chance to tell me. Bad habits. Sometimes it's just bad habits. It's, it's like I just picked up my phone and started calling so-and-so because they are just who I talk to. Sometimes it's just a bad habit that God wants to break because he, he wants to be your first phone call. I love this, like the, the contact list. That's, he wants to be the number one. He wants to be the most utilized. The last one we're gonna talk a little bit more about, you don't think you need God or you're supposed to handle it by yourself. When I clean myself up, when I'm doing the right thing, I will go to God. He doesn't want to see me like this. I know what I need. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know what I need to do. And I will. And when I do, it's pride. It's pride. So if you look at Revelations 3, 15, he talks about a church, that this is their problem, Pride. In Revelations 3.15, it says, I know the things you do. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one. But since you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He says, buy your gold from me. Gold that has been purified by Father, fire, come to me for what you need. That's what he's saying. He says, then you will be rich. Buy white garments for me so you will not be shamed and naked. When we try to fix ourselves, we feel shame. We feel guilt. We don't want people to see the truth. And he says, come on, bring it to me. I got it. I'm gonna clothe you with pure white garments that are free from shame. And let me give you an ointment for your eyes so you're able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. See, that's the thing. We gotta listen and be willing to change. We gotta face the truth. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. This next part, I want you to think about this. I've heard this verse so many times about salvation, but in this context, yes, it has to do with salvation, but it's more. Do we have it up there? Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's intimacy, people. That's Jesus saying, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna sit with you. Those who are victorious, he's gonna give you what you need to be victorious. Well, sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears must listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Some of you, Jesus has been standing at the door knocking for a while. What I love about this too is he didn't run away. He didn't say, forget you, I'm done. Oh, he's sitting there going, I got what you need. I got exactly what you need. And some of us, we let him in this part, but we don't let him in this part because it hurts too bad. And we don't want, we don't want him touching it because it hurts. 
and it's been controlling you too long. And he says, if you'll just open the door, just open the door. It's not going to hurt anymore. So I'm going to get personal with you for a minute. God actually reminded me of this story before Pastor Kurt asked me to preach. So here we go. There comes a moment when we are in major crisis that we have to decide how badly we want God to intervene. Do we really mean we will do anything? Do we really expect and anticipate his help? Am I willing to change to see God's glory in this situation? I will never forget the moment when this became real to me. See, when Chad and I were going through and we were, we were really in a bad place, I had a really hard time sleeping at night, so I'd just read the word. And uh, some of my favorite scriptures were on marriage because I was looking for a reason to divorce him without getting in trouble. And just being real with you for a minute. And also the scriptures about how he was supposed to treat me. And I was crying out, God, this isn't, he isn't like this to me. Change him. And he said, read the scriptures about what a wife's supposed to look like. Listen, I was hurting. I want you to understand that. I was hurting, I was broken, I was desperate. And he says, read what you're supposed to look like. So I did. And let me tell you, I didn't didn't measure up well. He said, I should be submissive and respectful of my husband. I was neither. At first I was defensive and I'm like, remember God, he's the problem. And he says, remember Vicki, who I created you to be? I created you to be a loving, respectful, submissive wife and mother. So over the next few months, he started showing me some things in my heart that didn't need to be there. I was manipulative, I was controlling, I was extremely needy and I was very codependent. And as things intensified at home with Chad and I, he, he started asking me to change more. He asked me to submit more. He asked me to sacrifice more. He asked me to start loving him better. He asked me to start showing agape love to him. And he was mean to me in response. He asked me to submit myself to him. See, he showed me who I was, but he showed me who I could be. And I wanted that. I wanted to be that person. So I became completely broke before my daddy. And I said, do whatever you need to do. Make me whoever you want me to be. And it wasn't easy. But he started breaking the lies that I believed about myself, about marriage, about love. He taught me to trust him and submit to him even when I couldn't trust Chad or myself. He taught me what agape love really looks like. And it's me sacrificing everything I have for Chad and Chad sacrificing everything he has for me. And together, both our needs are met, but God's glorified. 
And I did, and I was doing that. And he wasn't. His hate and disdain for me seemed to be growing and it was really tough. And I would cry out even louder to God and I would ask him for more. And he would say, then love more, sacrifice more. He reminded me he was with me. He showed me that I had placed Chad in this place of of, uh, my comforter, of my source of love, of my provider. I'd put Chad there. He was what made me feel better. And Chad was doing none of those things. And my retail therapy stopped too because we didn't have any money. All the things that I had placed in that position of comfort in my life were gone. All those counterfeits were revealed. But something really cool happened. Every time I called out to God, he answered me. Every time I was about to give up and say, I've had it, can't do it anymore. He would encourage and strengthen me. Every time I felt alone and I felt like I didn't have anyone who loved me. He loved me. He surrounded me and he reminded me how much he loved me. So he was teaching me how to be whole without Chad so that I could be whole with Chad. Because before I couldn't love him because I needed him, right? Love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't put yourself about others. That's exactly what I did. If I needed him, I would be trying to get him to meet my needs versus me seeking to meet his. God broke all this down. He brought, he took this broken, broken, broken woman. He said, let me rebuild you. And he rebuilt me into the person I am today. A woman of God, a woman of valor, a woman of strength, a prayer warrior, a woman who believes that anything is possible. In my brokenness, The Holy Spirit comforted me, but he also taught me and corrected me and did surgery on my heart. God met my needs and was my comforter long before the miracle happened, long before the restoration happened. And obviously you guys have seen Chad, so you know he did the impossible too. But first he started with me. I had to let him in to that painful part and submit even in my pain. I had to give him access. So Adam's gonna sing a song for us. And during this time, this is what what I'm gonna talk to you about. Are there places in your heart that Jesus is knocking and you're not letting him in? Are there areas of your life that are, that, that are need, they need, they're dead, they need revived, that are so painful, they just need that ointment to soothe them? Are there places you need him to comfort, defend, refine, grow, strengthen you? If there's places you've kept him out, repent, that's all you have to do. Say, I'm sorry, God, I need you, fill me up. 
This altar is gonna be open. And as he sings, if this is you, don't let this opportunity like get away from you. Don't let this presence, this sweet spirit that's here this morning, don't jump out and leave before you get what he has for you today. Take a few minutes. I know, I know that you probably have plans for lunch, but listen, I did really good on time. It might be a miracle. Adam saying hallelujah up here. But seriously, do your work with God this morning. Let him show you personally what it means for him to be the God of all comfort. So these altars are open. Come, weep, get in, get in, get in a position of receiving at your pew, but don't, don't run out. He wants he wants to take those places of pain and he wants to make them your source of strength and wholeness and give you something to comfort others. Remember, that's his purpose. And you can only do that if you let him in. Father, I just am in awe. Lord, I'm in awe that you take broken people <laughs> God that you find us in the mess sometimes we create it all by ourselves and you don't run away you stand with us you fight for us you 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 invade our hearts and our lives and you change them and you make us strong God, that you take the very area that we're the most ashamed of and you, you, you do surgery and you reveal it and you pour out your love and your, your kindness and your goodness on those areas and you allow change. And they become the things that we can stand and be proud of. Lord, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm not the person I used to be. I'm grateful that I get to stand up here and say, your word is true and you're faithful and you're good all the time, no matter what happens around us. Lord, I thank you that I have that chance. Lord, and I pray right now for the people who have never experienced your comfort. They don't know what it feels like for you to touch those parts of our lives that hurt the most and see them healed. And I pray right now that they would, these words would not go on deaf ears, but instead they would test you in it and they would cry out to you and say, God, I want what she got. I want what your word says. Lord, and that they would experience a love so deep and so great that it overwhelms them. That it changes them forever. Lord, I pray for those who've been, who know you but you showed there's this one area that I want access to. This one area that's kept them back or kept them in pain. God, that they would have the strength they need to let you in. Lord, the only way we change is with your Holy Spirit. We don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to get our act together. We don't have to, to hide who we are with you. We get to be so real and so vulnerable with you. And you say, yes, finally. 
Let me show you who you were really supposed to be. Let me put those new clothes on you. Let me put that new heart in you. Let me put those new desires and those new passions in you. Let me show you how wonderful you are. How wonderfully I created you. Lord, and I pray that everyone here leaves with a greater knowledge of who you are. Lord, that this would drive them to a greater intimacy with you. Lord, that these words, these, these things that I spoke, these words I read of, that are in your Bible, that are your holy words, I pray that they study them so they can have the fullness of what they mean. Lord, as we go today and we go to picnics or celebrations, let us also remember the families who are mourning that need your comfort, that need your Holy Spirit, Lord, and let us be a source of love and comfort too. Help us to have an eternal perspective, Lord. You don't waste anything. You work everything for the good. You redeem everything the enemy means to destroy us. You redeem it and use it to show your glory and your power. So Father, as we leave today, I thank you we get to take you with us. Your Holy Spirit is right there with us. Let us be sensitive to what he's saying. Let us be bold enough to, to hear what you're saying to us and, and strong enough to obey it. Lord, I, I just wanna be more like you. We just need to be more like you. So Father, I give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise that you are due, Lord. I give it all to you. In your mighty, mighty name, amen. Amen. Thanks for sticking with me. Have a great weekend. I love you all. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.